Now we gather due to a selfish man's injured pride and the outrage of supporters who he has deliberately misinformed for the past two months and stirred to action this very morning. What happened here today was an insurrection incited by the President of the United States. Welcome to the Political Notebook Podcast. I'm Billy Robb. I'm a high school teacher. And I'm Robert Robb, editorial columnist for the Arizona Republic and Billy's dad. That was Mitt Romney speaking after the attack on the Capitol this past Wednesday. If you haven't listened to the whole thing yet, I highly recommend doing so. It's a speech that I think will end up in the history books years from now as future students are studying this era in American history. Uh, Romney starts out talking about how people across the world uh, who yearn for freedom look to this country and to the U.S. Capitol for hope. Then after describing uh, the incident that you heard a clip of, he implores his colleagues uh, that it is the burden of leadership to tell the truth to their constituents, those who might be upset by the election outcome. And then he encourages colleagues to to vote to, to certify the electors. And part of what he said um, during that section was, we must not be intimidated or prevented from filling our con- fulfilling our constitutional duty. So this is the 100th episode, believe it or not, of the Political Notebook podcast. Um, Our very first episode was um, about Flake, Trump, and the future of the Republican Party. Uh, A lot lot of twists and turns. That was three years ago, I think. Um, A lot of twists and turns since then. But I really did not want to talk about Trump or Trumpism on this episode. I was hoping that our last episode was going to be the last on that topic. I wanted to move on. I wanted to start talking about policy like school choice in Arizona. I wanted to talk about the upcoming legislative session in Arizona. I wanted to analyze how the Biden administration is coming together, how uh, how our U.S. senators here in Arizona will, will respond given the slim um, majority that the Democrats have in the Senate. But well, here we are. And uh, before moving on and talking about those other topics on future episodes, I want to reflect on what happened and also look ahead to what's next, uh, both in the immediate future, as in this next 10 days before the inauguration, as well as uh, kind of the big picture of of uh, what's going on and, uh, and what happens uh to Americans uh, in the in the near future. So, so my first question is this. I want to know, I'm just curious how you experienced the events on Wednesday. I know you weren't uh, glued to Twitter and cable news like I was, but uh, did you watch any of it live or how did you how did you learn about what what was what happened? Uh, no, I, I uh, was otherwise in, engaged uh, the afternoon that it broke out. So um, caught up. Um, I, I'm a print guy, so I, I don't watch much, if any, uh, television. Um, so it was mostly, uh, print reports and still pictures, which I know, uh, doesn't convey the fullness, uh, of, um, the shame of the event. Um, but, uh, it conveyed it powerfully enough. And that was the next morning where you read about it, or did you? No, no, no. I went. I I knew that it had occurred, uh, 
Uh, and so I started uh, reading and, and learning about it uh, late afternoon, early evening. So print media, but through the digital. Oh, yes. Di- digital, digital, media, digital media through the computer. <laughs> right, right. Um, I'm just because because one thing I've been thinking about is how 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 so many people are experiencing this in different ways. You know, your feeds, your feeds are different depending on who you follow, what what you see, when you look at it, uh, what news channels you watch, um, and everything is everything is is but, filtered. But this one is impossible to spin. Um, I mean, you had. Uh, people incited by uh, Donald Trump uh, marching and storming and capturing uh, the Capitol. Um, there's just no way to, to spin that through the ordinary channels. And I'm hopeful uh, that um, this will begin to shatter uh, some of that isolation in terms of uh, news gathering. I mean, you just... I, I know that there have been attempts to spin it, and attempts to spin it continue. Uh, but um, this is one whose reality overwhelms any attempt at spin. But even even if it's not spin, I mean, if you're if you're if you lean way to the right, and you're <clears throat> and you're following right a lot of right wing commentators, what you're seeing on your on your account right now is outrage over Twitter, uh, outrage about social media companies blocking um, Trump from Twitter. And so you're not, I mean, you might, you might not even be experiencing that same sort of weight or impact of, of what happened than, than other people who are following or, or even reading a, a full article about the actual events that happened. I, I do believe this is one. I, I think that's generally true, and certainly Trump being barred from Twitter is its own uh, separate issue, and and uh, I don't doubt that that is being inflamed uh, in uh, conservative media. Uh, but um, you simply cannot not be aware uh, that a bunch of people uh, overwhelmed uh, Capitol Police and occupied our nation's capital, uh, the citadel of democracy. Um, and uh, you, you, you have to be awfully uh, insular and callous uh, not to have that event penetrate uh, and um, begin to, to sink in. So... I understand that we've got the silos and that that's important and then that continues. And I know there's been attempts to um, minimize or mitigate uh, the atrocity that was committed. Um, I just think that this is one of those rare instances uh, where uh, the event is so powerful and so undeniable um, that it is breaking through. And I think you're seeing that in uh, the actions of some um Republican politicians perpetually with their finger in the wind uh, uh, who, who are now sort of recharting uh, their course. And among the business community in particular, um, support for uh, Republicans who are attempting to uh, 
uh, eyewash this uh, is rapidly evaporating. Um, the rep repercussions are coming uh, fast and, and furious. And, and how far they go and whether it means a return of the Republican Party to its Reagan conservative roots, I don't know. Um, but I don't think that the silos are succeeding in preventing a critical mass of people um, from having to confront the ugly face of Trumpism. Despite that, though, I think there are still a, a core of hardcore Trump supporters and even maybe um, you know there's a whole there's a whole spectrum of of people that voted for Trump. Um, but the the devotees, the ones that that shape and vote in Republican primaries, it doesn't seem like they're the one. Like, how does that dynamic work out? Because yes, you have uh, in the mainstream um, conversation a mass denouncing and and of, of the violence itself, and um, that this kind of thing should never happen, and um, and that even even maybe a willingness to to criticize Trump. Depending on who's on who's saying it, there's there's still a lot of silence out there about directly um, blaming Trump for this. <clears throat> um, but yeah, the dynamic where yeah maybe the business community is shifting. Um, lots of Republicans are willing to uh, call it out for what it is, but you still have that base of Republican primary supporters that um, are still uh, cheering on of you know. Andy Biggs, uh, Gosar, uh, and still uh, probably be su supportive of Trump. Well, here's, here's the way I would break it out. Um, the populist, nativist, um, nationalist element uh, have, for a very long time, uh, been roughly a third of the Republican base, the uh, Republican primary voters. Um, and when Trump first started running, uh, he was getting about a third of the vote. And there are so many people running against him that that was sufficient for him to be winning primaries. I think that then he gained another 15% or so of Republicans um, who uh, might be traditional conservatives, but were fed up. Uh, with um, politics as usual and decided that they were willing to take a, a flyer with a outsider uh, disruptor. Then after Trump uh, became president, uh, you had uh, the attempts to undermine him uh, from the get-go uh, with the Russian collusion investigation that ended up not uh, demonstrating any uh, collusion. Uh, you had impeachment. Uh, and at the same time, you had Trump doing things that uh, those people thought were good. Um, you had uh, the tax cuts. Um, you had conservative judges. You had regulatory rollback. So the combination of the attack on Trump and the good conservative things he was doing, I think, led to the solidification of his support by 80, 85% of uh, Republicans. I think this event um, 
shatters the connection between Trump and those latter two groups uh, and, and leaves him uh, with just the one third uh, that has always been there uh, in terms of people who remain loyal to Trump and willing to excuse uh, what he did in terms of encouraging people to go and disrupt uh, the operations of the U.S. Congress as they were formalizing the selection of a new president for the country. Does this feeling of, uh, you know, anger and and rejection of 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 Trump and and people fleeing support of Trump does that last and does that leave a stain on those who not only were lying uh about the election um outright but does it also leave a stain on those who um silently or tacitly were were going along with the sort of like the spirit of, of where Trump was taking the party. Um, I'm thinking I'm thinking of McSally and, and Ducey waiting so long to to concede their election. You know, as far as far late as as October, Trump was coming here doing in-person rallies where where Governor Ducey would stand up and and be screaming at the at the supporters to to kind of ride the populism wave and, and endorsing him for president. I mean, it's not really. I mean, tr- I'm seeing some some Republicans be like, "Oh, everything changed like after the election. He just started to become, you know, say, saying all these things." And I'm like, he was <clears throat> he was basically calling it fraudulent before it happened. You know, he the, his his tone and his style has not changed at all. Um, so, so how does, how do we, how do we deal with that in terms of just citizens and how does that, how does that, how much does that responsibility rest on, um, you know, the, the rank and file Republicans, but also the, uh, the leaders who were, who were advocating for it, advocating for Trump. I, I think, um, a line was crossed. Uh, after the election, even though Trump's character didn't change, um, the uh, seriousness of his action uh, and the threat that uh, action posed uh, to the integrity of America, American democracy, um, was uh, was different. Um, once it became clear uh, that Trump really was trying to overturn the outcome of an American election uh, by making false accusations of uh, fraud. Um, But more significantly, in my judgment, uh, trying, first of all, to get uh, state legislatures to ignore the election results in duly certified election results in their states uh, and and send Trump electors rather than Biden electors, even though Biden had won their states, um, uh, then to try to get uh, Vice President Mike Pence uh, to simply declare uh, in opening the votes, which is only his only constitutional function, uh, to say, nope, we're not going to accept these, we're going to accept these others. 
once it became evident um, that this wasn't just Trump mouthing off or not accepting personally the outcome of the election, uh, but he had a strategy and he was plotting to overturn uh, the outcome of the election. At that point, I think anyone who stuck with him uh, and anyone who uh, played a role uh, in advancing that plot to overcome uh, the outcome of um, our election uh, has a moral stain that will never go away. Whether it will have a political cost um, depends upon how the Republican Party responds uh, to this. Um, and um, I confess that I have no idea how the Republican Party will respond, whether, it, whether this will be something that differentiates uh, the people who uh, stopped short of the line and those who uh, stepped uh, over it um, with alacrity. Yeah. I find myself appreciating those who, obviously appreciating those who did not cross that line. I mean, the way I appreciated how Doug Ducey, uh, Governor Ducey approached the certification uh, process, how he certified it when it was when it was done and stuck up for the uh, integrity of Arizona elections. Um, even Mike Pence, who has been, um, you know, a complete lackey for for Trump this whole time. Has to buy him every every step of the way. You know, even even he didn't have a line he was willing to cross. So I find myself, even Loeffler, who promised to do it, but then changed her mind. Um, the Georgia uh, se senator changed her mind, and after the events, um, for me, that's that's something where I, you know I appreciate it, and it's I, I I think and feel differently about those actions, but I still find myself uh, wanting at least at least sort of like a public recognition that <clears throat> there was a, there was a lack of judgment somehow. I don't know how that would, like, I just find myself like, let's say, let's say that, let's say that in, in uh, 2022 or something, I'm not sure if, if Ducey's going to run for, for office or again, or, or if, if another candidate was running for office, a Republican for Senate, let's say against Mark Kelly in 2022. And, and, that Republican had been a full-blown Trump supporter or endorsed him and never really grappled with that, uh, what, what happened in the sense of not, not saying like, oh, I'm responsible for it because I didn't call it out, but at least recognizing like, you know, the person that I endorsed for president tried to do a coup, basically. I mean, tried to get people to over overturn the election, um, tried to incite, um, you know, we, we're still sort of learning all the, um, a lot of information about it, but, but at least participated and encouraged uh, this this attack on, on the Capitol. It's like I would, I feel like I would, I would want or 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 need in order to vote for someone like that, uh, at least a recognition or or a, I don't know, I don't know, but but it seems like that. To me, that shows a, a lack of judgment because I, tr you didn't know Trump was going to do that, but it, it, he was the kind of personality where he he would do something like that, and he and he, and he just I don't know. 
I, I just, I, I struggle with, I struggle with the culpability aspect of, of how much are they to blame for, for creating the, the, the environment or participating in creating the environment or, or no one believed anything. And, um, but that, I mean, that's just how I, that's just how I personally am feeling about, uh, a lot of the Republican party right now. Well, you, you've got, a primary election and a general election. So the first question is, how will this reverberate within Republican uh, politics? Uh, and I think that is uncertain. The um, perspective uh, that you articulated, uh, the feeling that a Republican candidate uh, has to, um, in some way, come to grips uh, with the way that Trump hijacked the party uh, and what he ended up doing, uh, I think is going to be shared widely um, by independents um, who are uh, the people who I believe will, uh, for the next several election cycles, decide who wins and loses. Um, so um, I, I, I think that reckoning um, will uh, come to pass, uh, if not in a Republican primary, then in a general election, because I think what you just articulated uh, is a uh, widely shared view among independents um, who repudiated um, Trump in strong numbers uh, in Arizona and throughout the country. Um, and then we've had this occur, this attempt to um, over, overturn uh, the outcome of um, the presidential election by hook or crook. There's 10 days left before the 20th. We're recording this on Sunday the 10th. What is your view on uh, the impeachment uh, approach that, the, that has been? It seems like, it doesn't seem like the Congress is in any hurry to to impeach and remove Trump. Um, do you think that's immediately like what, what's your what's your take on what on, on the on the latest? It's been almost every every day some new developments are, are coming out. What do you think about the latest move? What what should be done next in the immediate term? Well. Let me begin with the calls to uh, invoke the 25th Amendment uh, and have um, the vice president and the cabinet remove him from office. Uh, I, I think that would be uh, a misuse of the 25th Amendment, which uh, I, I believe clearly is intended for um, medical uh, incapacity. Um, now, if, if, if Trump appears on the verge uh, of uh, doing something, starting some kind of military conflict some, somewhere um, where, where, it, where he shows further uh, mental uh, disassociation, uh, uh, then perhaps that would be warranted. But um, I don't, it, it isn't intended to be a way where the vice president and the cabinet who work for the president, uh, usurp power from him. 
I do believe that what Trump did is an impeachable offense. Um, but um, unless you're going to succeed, and succeeding means that Mitch McConnell and 16 other Republicans have to be willing to vote to convict, uh, I think the Democrats in the House, who appear hell-bent on uh, passing another article of impeachment, proceeding, simply inflames the situation uh, without accomplishing uh, anything, um, or at least not accomplishing uh, removing Trump from office, unless Mitch McConnell and uh, 16 other uh, Republicans uh, are willing to vote um, to do so. So uh, I, I, I don't think that it, while I believe that it's justified, I believe that what he did was impeachable. Uh, I don't think it serves the country uh, to make that point in a partisan fashion this short before an inauguration and at a time where the greater good is to calm things down, not inflame things more. When you say inflame, you mean like spark more violence? Do you mean his supporters are going to be mad? I mean, how can, what could possibly be the, 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 I can't see Republicans getting up in arms saying this is partisan other than like a Matt Gaetz, uh kind of, kind of character. I mean, how, how is this going to, to me, to well, me, the, it is, go ahead, go ahead. The, the Democrats are proceeding without any Republican support. So it is partisan. You know, they're, they're, they're not, they, they going, had, they had, going to they, their Republican colleagues and saying, shouldn't we take this action to, to get rid of this guy? And, and yes, it will. I mean, it, when, when you talk about that third of the Republican base um, who are going to remain uh, Trump loyalists, uh, it will inflame them. How that manifests itself, I don't know. Whether it's just a whole bunch of social media agitation or whether it becomes more than that. Um, but... Uh, if we're going to get beyond the inflammation that Trump has caused, uh, I think that impeachment without getting rid of him is net negative for uh, for the country. Uh, there, and I, I mean, there I, are. Go ahead. There are Republicans that are that are that have said publicly that they would be willing to. I mean, I, th I know there's there's a there's at least a, a small handful of of House Republicans, including uh, Adam Kitzinger, Kitzinger um, and I know that several uh, Republican senators have already said, yeah, basically this, these are impeachable offenses. I I know that. Um, so so I guess so, it saying doesn't, that there's impeachable offenses and being willing to vote to convict, and it and it can't be just a handful of Republicans in the House and two or three Republicans in the Senate. You, you need, in order to get rid of the guy, you need 17 Republicans in uh, the Senate um, to vote to do it. Uh, and I don't think, if you want to achieve that result, I don't think House Democrats moving forward unilaterally is the way you get that done. I mean, you... you get it done the way that Nixon was gotten rid of. Do you think Trump is still a, a, a threat to the country right now? 
I, I, his plot to overturn the election has failed. And, and, and I think that's a testament to the resiliency of American institutions. I, um, while I was wrong about Trump and you were right about Trump, um, I think I was right about the resiliency of our institutions. I just had never anticipated the severity of the test that would occur and uh, the extent to which uh, a very broad base of Republican office holders uh, would um, uh, be uh, collaborators uh, in, in, in the effort. But, but the resiliency of our institutions held. We will have a new president um, in, a, in short order. Um, so I believe it was an impeachable offense. I would have no problems if they got rid of him. I'm just not sure that it's best uh, for the country uh, for there to be another partisan impeachment that doesn't succeed in conviction. How would you respond to the to the idea and and this is kind of the kind of where I've fallen down is that there that there has to be accountability. I mean you had a president try to uh basically overthrow a democracy uh, and and put himself in 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 power even though he lost an election. And how can how can we just say, "Oh, let's just move on and get on with a new president?" When you had that happen, and you had uh, a lot of law, law, elected lawmakers uh, on board with with that, like, isn't it isn't it best to basically say no? This is once and for all the you know you, you have to get impeached and removed for this, even if it's even if it's after you know, after your term, just to, just to say the point, to find out what happened, what with the full extent of, you know, was the, was it not secured on purpose? And, and that kind of, that kind of, that kind of question is, doesn't a full accounting need to be made and doesn't there need to be consequences uh, in, in that way in order to move on? I believe so. You believe so. Um, we don't have a vote to convict. Uh, and so if, if there were the votes to convict, I would be in favor of moving forward. Um, if they aren't the votes to convict, I don't think the country is served by another um, partisan impeachment effort um, by uh, the Democrats at this given moment, given that the guy's gone in a few days um, anyway. Um, the uh, the last question I wanted to, I wanted to ask is what can be done about just extremism in in Arizona in in the near future. I mean, you have these. There's been talk about at the state level. You have um, state representatives like Mark Fincham who were um, uh, who went to the event and have been um, really spreading these things. There's been talk about trying to unseat them. Um, do you think that kind of stuff is necessary or how do you, how do you, how does a, how does a, a local party deal with uh, or respond to the fact that that kind of, those kind of actions are going on and those people are still in our state legislature? Well, the party's behind them. They're, they're part of, part of the problem. Um, 
it it requires uh, Republicans to do what they uh, ultimately did with Russell Pierce. Um, um, the uh, people, uh, mostly Republicans um, from the East Valley, uh, got tired of um, Pierce's uh, demagoguing uh, the immigration issue. Uh, and he was recalled and replaced by um, a far more moderate to centrist uh, candidate. Um, so either it has to come from uh, the, the grassroots uh, or you need people to challenge in Republican primaries. Uh, and uh, I think 2022 is going to be a very uh, interesting and testing and testy um, primary season for, for Republicans. You've got um, a Republican nomination, uh, open uh, nomination for U.S. Senator, for Governor, um, for the state offices that are um, currently occupied by Democrats. If Mark Brnovich runs for governor, you got AG. And then you've got all these people who participated in a plot to overturn the outcome of an, of an election. And um, the question is, does that have consequences in a Republican primary or only in a general election? And I think those are open questions. I, I, I don't even have informed or ill-informed um, speculation about them. I think it's hard to tell in the aftermath of Trump, what does the Republican Party stand for um, and what will they put up with? Yeah. Well, let's leave it there for now. Um, Suns are six and two, I think. Go Suns. Cardinals, heartbreaking loss to not make the playoffs, but to fight along uh, another day. Um, anything else you want to say about uh, the the situation that we're in right now? Any? No, I, I think you, you did a good job of um, summing up um, the feelings and, and, and the issues. Uh, the country is going to have to um, sort through uh, what um, the Trump episode means. Uh, and the Republican Party is going to have to, uh, and uh, within the Republican Party, it's going to be even more acute. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Political Notebook podcast. Um, stay tuned. We're going to continue episodes. Uh, this week is the uh, is Governor Ducey's State of the Union. New legislative session is is. Uh, right before us. And if you want to read Robert Robb's uh, analysis or, or preview of the legislative session, you can find that on AZ Central. Um, and you can subscribe to the Political Notebook on any podcasting app. Thank you.